Hi, I'm DJ Oxygen, and I want to welcome you out to the Comedy Lounge. This is a space where we talk about the funny while doing this thing that we call comedy. No routine, no stand-up, and no red light. We're just here to have some fun and let you get to know your favorite comedians up close and personal. Now, my guest tonight is, uh, I've adopted her as my second mother. All right? She does impressions. She has a, a large history in comedy. I'm proud to, to be in her family and proud to even know this young lady here. I want to welcome Miss Sylvia Traymore Morrison to the Comedy Lounge. How you doing? I'm doing good. I, You know what? I'm sitting here looking at you and thinking, oh, my God, this is DJ Oxygen looking like the biggest Hollywood star ever. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So normally with my guests, I kind of talk about where I know them from and all of that. But you have so many jewels trapped inside of that body and so much history. I just want you to tell them quickly a little bit about yourself. Tell them where you come from. Tell them um, who your manager was back in the day. Because that baffles me. Like sometimes I, I talk about you when you're not even around. I say, this is who she is. And so just let them know a little bit about yourself. Okay. Well, to start with, I am originally from Washington, D.C. Okay. Uh, and real quickly, they uh, have just finished a documentary entitled D.C., The Mecca of Comedy, because so many of us are from the D.C. area. People like Dave Chappelle, Martin Lawrence, Tommy Davidson, Wanda Sykes, Chris Thomas, myself, Mike. I mean, it, it just goes on and on. And um, I never knew growing up that one day I would be a comedic impressionist. I just didn't know. I could imitate people. I could. I started out imitating bugs and sounds and and then my friends and their parents and then school people and the, 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 I, people would say, Sylvia, do our principal, Dr. Jackson. And I'd go, good afternoon. And, you know, just, just being silly. But they laughed. They thought it was so funny. And finally, as I started getting old, I realized there were no platforms for me. There were no comedy clubs like they are there are today. There was nowhere for me to go and, and uh, show people what I could do. And one day... One day I was watching the Flip Wilson show and I saw these three girls come out on stage. They were absolutely gorgeous. I mean, just I'm like, well, how did they get on national TV? To find out, I found out they were contestants in the Miss Black America pageant. Oh. And so I entered the pageant and lo and behold, I tied for first place with Bernadette Stannis, who is Thelma from Good Times. Okay. That night they gave her a card to go and audition for Thelma. And they sent me to Europe to entertain the American troops from the Vietnam War. And here I am, ain't never been out of Washington, D.C. other than to go and be in the pageant. And I'm headed to Europe. And while I'm there, there was this guy who had seen me uh, in magazines, on newspapers and he said, he, he said, I want to meet her. And he said, when she gets back from Europe, fly her out here to the West Coast. And that's what they did. And that man was Red Fox, who I, wow. signed, my, I signed my first management contract <laughs> with Red Fox. And, and, and check this out, Sean. I didn't even know how big that was at the time, right? right. I just knew it was Red Fox. He was going to have this show, Sanford and Son, blah, blah, all of that. Right, and right, right, right. 
he was like the most incredible comedian. He and I guess Bill Cosby, Nipsey Russell, that class of comedians. He gave me a contract. So, I signed it immediately. Right. <laughs> I signed it immediately. I didn't get a lawyer or nothing. I just signed a daggone contract. Well, it was a little bit different back then. You know, today yeah. we got we got everything got to go through a lawyer. But back in those yeah. days, you know, for for to have a, a beautiful black face, to be able to be in front of some great uh some some great talent, some 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 history makers, I would have signed it as I would have signed it as well. I'd, hey, what what do I? They wouldn't even be able to put it down. I mean, <laughs> That's exactly what I did. Say, sign them. Okay. So when do you first? I know you talked about you was you was doing impressions like bugs and 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 everything. Your principal. When did you realize you was really like when when did it hit that you was that funny that you knew that you can you can do this thing? Well, the the biggest audience I had back then, uh, prior to going to Europe, was the Miss Black America pageant. And okay. I could do, um, I mean, that, that was the biggest stage I had. And it was the audience's response. I got like two standing ovations. Uh, the girls did one of three things in the talent category. They either sung a song, mm -hmm. uh, they either did a, a dance, or they did a dramatic interpretation. So I put them right. all three together. I, I did a song, I did a dance, and I did a dramatic interpretation. And while I was on the stage, the audience just went bananas. They just loved it. And I said, oh, this is, I, I like that they like it, you know. Mm -hmm. And uh, when I went to Europe, I was in front of thousands and thousands and thousands of men and women of the United States military. So right. I knew then that this was, this is what I had to do for the rest of my life. This is what I was going to do. Right, right. I get it. I get it. So what was the worst job you ever had before becoming a stand-up comedian? Well, you know what? Because I didn't get paid for my 10 years, my first 10 years in comedy. Mm -hmm. Well, let me, wait a minute, let me rephrase that. I got paid when I went to Europe. I got $500 for five weeks, three shows a day while we were in Europe. And I love that. But I think you said the worst job in terms of comedy or just life. You know, outside of comedy, like what's the worst okay. job that you had? I could, and I'm not going to say, well, it was a blessing in a way and in a way it wasn't because I hated typing more than anything else in the world. I hated it with a passion, but it paid enough for me to eat, pay my bills. So I did temporary secretary work. Okay. I did not like it at all. But as a <laughs> youngster, as a youngster, you know, when you're young, you can go to work, come home, do whatever you need to do at home, go back out at nighttime, hit the, hit the scene, all that stuff. Cause, you know, at that time, I could stay up to two, three, four o'clock in the morning and get up and be out of the house at seven. You know, it was no big right. deal, like most of us right. when we were young. So, yeah, that was that had to be the worst job. God. <laughs> so, so Saturday Night Live, let's talk about the. So how did you get to Saturday Night Live? Oh, I love to tell. Well, I, I, you know what? I love this story because um, what happened was when I was out west with Red Fox, mm -hmm. my father got sick and he died. So okay. I had to come back to the East Coast. I didn't okay. want my mother, you know, to grieve alone and just, you know, we all needed to be together. And so I moved to New York just so I could be close. If anything went down, I could be close to her. And while I'm there now, a couple of clubs have started to open. You know, in California, the first club I went to was the comedy store. 
Okay. And I want to say they haven't made it official. Like it's official that I'm the first black female impressionist woman of color impressionist in this country. Uh, but they have not finalized the fact that I was the first black girl to work at the comedy store. Mm-hmm. And that was the only club out there then. And while I was out there, I got to hang out and meet uh, Jay Leno, David Letterman, Robin Williams. And Robin Williams used to always say, oh, Sylvia, you're going to be big. You're going to be big. You're going to be big. He, he, just, he just had no idea where he was going. So when I moved to New York, um, I was living in on the east side. And I was reading the paper one day and it said Muhammad Ali was coming to the Apollo Theater to be roasted. And I was like, wait a minute, I got to go to this roast because I knew everybody was going to be there. Ali was in his prime. He was 37 years old. He was, I mean, he was the man. We all know, you know, he was, he was just everything. And I had to be at that roast, but I didn't have an invitation. I ain't have no ticket or nothing to get into this daggone roast. So I decided I would crash the roast. And it's such a long story. It's in my book, but I'll just give you the pertinent parts. And so I was dating a guy who played for the San Antonio Spurs. So I was in San Antonio the day of the roast. And I'd already Mm -hmm. made plans to crash the roast. So I was waiting for my, you know, waiting at home to go to the, waiting at at his place to go to the airport. And I get this call from one of the girls I went to Europe with from the Miss Black America pageant. And she, and she knew that I was going to crash the roast. She said, Sylvia, you, you don't have to crash the roast. You don't, you don't have to do that. That you don't have to do. I said, what are you talking about? She said, you need to get home immediately because you're going to host the roast. Whoa. And I said, what roast are you talking about? She said, the Muhammad Ali roast. What happened is she and Dick Gregory, Mr. Gregory were very good friends. Mm-hmm. And when Richard Pryor called that day and said he couldn't make it or he wasn't coming, they had no one to fill in for him. Nobody. It was the day of the daggone roast. Everybody was either busy or Mr. Gregory couldn't find nobody. So he told the girl that went to Europe with me, he said, bring her in. And when wow. she told me what my job was going to be replacing Richard Pryor, I'm like, right. wait a minute. You, huh? And I didn't have time to fuss about it or try to figure out I had to get on the plane and get to New York. And that's what I did. So when I right. got there, <laughs> I mean, DJ Oxygen, everybody <laughs> and their mother were at this roast. Wow. On the panel, you had Harry Belafonte, Dick Cavett, Ooh. Fred Williamson, uh, Jim, Jim Brown. I mean, just all the, the place was so packed with people that if the fire department had come in, they'd have shut it down. Okay. So here comes Saturday night live. So I'm, I'm, I'm hosting. I'm asked, I asked Mr. Gregory, I said, where's the script? And he said, script, ain't no script. script. Richard was going to do the thing just off the top of his head, going to do it off the top of your head. Now I'm like in my early twenties, he got me in front of all these giants. I don't know nothing about these people. I don't know how to do. I've never hosted a roast before. As a matter of fact, no other woman has ever hosted a roast before. Mm. Never. I'm talking Mary Tyler Moore, the what's her name, Lucille Ball, Jean Stapleton. None of them. They know none of them have ever hosted a, a major roast. Right. So I had to go around to everybody, and and uh, try to get some information about them. They said, just say what you want to say. Well, I. Don't, I couldn't tell him I don't know what to say about you. I couldn't say that. So I had to make up stuff. 
anyway, I got to tell you this part real quick before I get to Saturday Night Live. So when it was time for me to introduce <laughs> Harry Belafonte, and keep in mind, we're talking 1979. He was young. He was like a Michael oh, Jordan. He was handsome. He, he, he was, he was oh, like God, he was so much. <laughs> so when it was time for me to introduce Harry Belafonte, I said, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Harry Belafonte. And as he stood up and walked toward me, all I could hear was, Deo, oh, Deo, daylight come and we want to go home. And I was like, get off the stage, Sylvia, because I was so enamored with, with him walking toward me. <laughs> Oh my God, I was so embarrassed, but it worked. It, it was fine, you know. It worked out. And so, after uh, after the uh, the roast, Garrett Morris, who was mm -hmm. on Saturday Night Live at the time, came right. up to me and said, "You got to meet my boss. You have to. He's going to love you." Because I did impressions at the roast. You know, I even did Muhammad Ali for Muhammad Ali. Mm -hmm. He was there, you know, and he he when I finished, he took my hand and held it up and walked me to the front of the audience and. Held it up to all those hundreds. I don't know how many people were in there. And he said, you doing me, a woman doing me, that's awesome. And the, the crowd went nuts. It was, it was amazing. So when Garrett Moore said, you have to meet my boss, mm -hmm. two days later, he sent the limousine. They, the NBC sent a limousine, took me over to Lauren Michaels' office with Garrett. And we went in there, and Mr. Mr. Michael offered me a job as an associate writer based on what Garrett told him about the roast, what I did at the wow. roast. Yeah. Wow. Now, based on everything you told me, who is your all-time? Who's your favorite, favorite, favorite comedian? Comic? Yep. You know, to, to start with, you, it's funny because... T.I. and, and uh, Tiny had Monique on their show, and they asked her who her, they asked her that question. Mm -hmm. And she said, I understood what she meant. She said, there's so many comedians that I love. I That's really awesome. don't have a top five. But she said, I would definitely put Richard Pryor mm -hmm. in that number. And she said, and there's a woman who most of us don't know about, and her name is Sylvia Traymore Morrison. You know, I still got the tape, right? You know, I, you know, I got that tape. I'm, I put that tape up on my way up on top of the TV, so we don't have to miss it or lose it. And so, with that question in mind, I have to think about. I'm not talking about talent. I want to mm -hmm. say, first of all, Red Fox kicked everything off. You know, he made a big splash about me in the 1970s, okay. and he he had me flown out to California, and while I didn't really get to see him much during the time because he was so busy and he's such a, he was such a businessman. There was no laughing joke. Everything was serious and straightforward oh, and blah, blah, blah. I, 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 I get it. I get it. I get it. Like when I, I was out with, um, with Bruce Bruce and we was on the West Coast tour. And, you you um, out there with who? I'm sorry. With, with Bruce, Bruce Bruce. Bruce. Okay. I was out with Bruce Bruce. And as funny as he is, I couldn't believe how serious he was. Backstage, I mean everything. You got his stuff. You got his. You got his money. You got this. What time we go on? What time we come up? Like everything. He was so business like. So I get it. Um, I never got a chance to meet Red Fox, obviously. Um, just watching him on TV. But um, the fact that you have had not only interaction, but business deals with these people, the roast with Muhammad Ali, 
Um, you are absolutely one of my greatest humans Ooh. on the earth. I love you so much. And we're not done with the show, but I just wanted to tell you, they say give give your flowers uh, while you. you can. And um, knowing you and getting to know Dick Gregory has to be one of the highlights of my life. So when people talk about, you know, well, what you know about comedy? You just a DJ. I say I'm a student of comedy. I have. Yeah. Yes, you are. From, from Bernie Mac to I've, I've toured with everyone. I've been on stage with everyone. So I'm a student of comedy and to be in your presence and Dick Gregory um, taking me to dinner several times and, and making sure I was an upstanding gentleman um, and making sure that um, I knew what world I was living in. Um, Definitely, you two make my heart smile. Every time I see you on Facebook, my mommy would say, well, there go your other mama sometimes. So I, <laughs> I love her. Little. I love her. <laughs> yes. I girl. think, you know, she, uh, she, she loves you as well. Um, and I, I, I'm just blessed to not only know you, but I got a chance to work with you a couple of times. And you, but here's the thing. Here's the thing, Sean. You... You have worked with everybody. It's like everybody. I did my little research on you one day, right? Because I said, I, if this is gonna be my son, I need to know who I'm who I'm hooked up with. <laughs> and I was so pleasantly surprised to see your background. I was like, yep. this dude has truly been around. And I've, you know, of course we've done some work together, but I mm -hmm. have been at shows where we weren't, where I wasn't working. So I got a chance to actually, actually sit back and watch you. Mm -hmm. I got a chance to actually watch you in action. And I was so like, like impressed because you made it look effortless. I can see how people, when they see a, a, a DJ of your magnitude on stage, they probably think it's no big deal. But right. I don't think they see you when you're setting up, right. when you're putting things in place, when you're getting ready, when you're preparing for, you know, it was, and you were absolutely, each time I've seen you, you've been absolutely flawless. Flawless. I'm, I'm so saving I see this why the big forever. <laughs> I I'm see why the big boys and girls like forever. <laughs> <laughs> this is, this is not, Tyler, this is, I'm saving this forever. <laughs> forever, forever, forever. Um, yeah. So I got a question. I ask every comedian this question. Okay. And this is this this is the point of just honesty. See, people don't know what goes on backstage. They don't know what goes on night after night. They don't know when you go into clubs. Sometimes two and three clubs a night just to get five minutes to work on your routine. I got one question for you. Not one, but this question. Okay. Have you ever bombed? And if you have. What's your fondest memory of bombing on stage? I think, uh, you know, early in my career, especially when I was in California and I and Red Fox hadn't put me to work yet. I, I don't know where I got the heart from or why I even took the heart and did what I did. But I would go into clubs like not comedy clubs. I'm talking about a bar or restaurant, not clubs, restaurants. I would go into restaurants and tell the owner or whoever was there, could I have like five or 10 minutes on the stage? And if you liked me, let me come back. And if not, right. nobody's lost anything. Right. Right. And I would do it and it, would, it always worked out so well. But this mm -hmm. particular night, the temptations were in the house, mm -hmm. okay? And I went in and I convinced the, the, uh, the owner to let me go on stage. Now the temptation, this is in their heyday. 
Well, nobody right. trying to see some unknown girl that nobody knew about and right. got the Tim. They want to see the temptations and they were there to have dinner. So they wanted to talk with them. Them. Anyway, I went on stage because prior to this particular night, I always had great shows. They were always great, always. And so when I got up there on, on the stage, the people were still talking. And because I wasn't experienced, I didn't know how to quiet an audience down. If they do that now, I got them. I got you. That's what you want. I got you. You can talk. Go ahead. I bet it'd be good. And they completely ignored me. Oh, wow. And I only had like five minutes. So when I got into the fourth minute, I was like, oh, no, y'all can't be doing this. Just, you know, to myself. I'm thinking to myself. <laughs> and at that moment, I realized I had, it was a bomb show. Mm -hmm. It was a bomb show. I had a minute left. And I think I did Diana Ross. And for whatever reason, that shut them up. So mm -hmm. for the last minute, they enjoyed it. But in my mind, I had bombed terribly. <laughs> the people don't understand that. What's going through your mind while you're telling the jokes or while you're doing an impression? They don't understand or why I'm DJing. Like, oh, they didn't like that song. Oh, they didn't like the next song. Now I got to, now you start to think, you know, you get in your head a little bit. You know what I mean? But it's, yeah. yeah. And, and you know what else, John? It's like, I know I'm supposed to call you DJ Oxygen, but when I say Sean, it, I you feel can like call me whatever you want. You, you, Mama Sylvia. <laughs> okay, it's just that you look so like high in Hollywood right now with this podcast <laughs> and the hat and the, the whole business. But it's like you, it, as an artist, we know when we've not done that great, or we know when we have killed it. I'm sure you've gone home some night and say, man, that was a great, that was, that was amazing. The audience loved my whole, everything I presented to them. And so we have, we, I think we all have those nights. So that was the only time that uh, I felt like I bond. But people would come say, oh, you were so good. No, I was not. No, you know, I've always been honest with myself. I already know. So it's no big deal. Right. Yeah. So what impact, now I know you, you, you're still working. You're doing your thing. Um, I see you all over the place. I see you with Monique. I see you doing your thing. What impact do you want to leave on the comedy world? Not the world. What do you want to leave? What do you, what do you want these comedians to, to know about you? What do you want? What impact do you want to leave? You know, I think um, I would I would love for people to know truly how hard I hustled back in the day when I first started in the 60s and the 70s, where there was nobody that looked like me, nobody I could call, nobody I could say, how did I do? Nobody I could say, meet me at so-and-so. Nobody that I could say, can I catch a ride? Nobody that I could say, let's get a bus ride home today. I want them to know that if I had to go through today what I went through back then, I'm not sure if I could do that. So when I right. look back on, on my history, back on the days when I took two trains, a bus, and then walked seven blocks in order to get three minutes on stage. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, I just, I think about it and I was, I'd be like, God, you really, you weren't playing with me back then oh, because yeah. I did it the same way I say you play, your shows are effortless. When we look at you playing, it's you, you look like it's nothing. You really do. You honestly do. And I think, a lot of people don't realize it or either think that it was no big deal. What I had to go through back then, it's um, I've been spit at, kicked at, laughed at, 
cursed at, just a whole bunch of stuff. And I just didn't care. Well, I'm talking about the early days, the late 60s mm-hmm. and the early 70s, uh, when there were no nightclubs, there were no comedy clubs, there were no comics. I didn't know any uh, women of color that looked like me back then. The first one I knew of, I think it, it's a, t- well, LaWanda Page was a comic. She did mm-hmm. Honest on, but I never saw her in, a, in, in doing stand up, never, but she was. And then along comes people like um, she was Shirley a showgirl too. Uh, she was a showgirl too. Exactly. She was. You know what? She was beautiful. I th- her and Mom's mainly. They were so yep. pretty. What did they do? What happened? You know, I don't know. But I know Lawanda's was more makeup, but right. Mom's was absolutely just gorgeous, and. Um, uh, it, it was, it was, it was, I would want people to know that whatever's happening now for me, I finally, after 54 years in, in comedy, understand why I had to go through what I went through mm-hmm. in order to get here. Cause I was, uh, I, I did Sherry Shepard's show a couple of weeks ago. I don't know. If I you saw, saw that. And you was on it with my, my little brother, John. Murray. Yes, you know John Murray. Yes. Oh, yes. Wow. That's another one that makes it look easy. Yeah. He's the executive producer. I'm like, oh, shut up, John. That is so good. <laughs> so I, I would want them to know that it really was a struggle. But at the time, I didn't see it as a struggle. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? I just did it. It's like when you right. work, when you go to work, you just do it. That's what you do. But you know That's what people what don't do. know is that they don't know you're good until they see someone else try to do what you do. See, so when somebody yeah. sees another DJ on stage, they might text me and say, I'm sorry, yes. I, I didn't realize how good you were. I'm at another comedy show, and this DJ, he's known like you, he do, but he's not good for the comedians. And so, you know, I appreciate that because, you know, people don't know what we go through what no, we do no. night after night after night. Do you know Howard Hideff? Yes. From out of, out of Baltimore? Howard's yes. my nephew. Okay. His father and, and I are sisters and brothers. And he has the utmost respect for you. He, oh. you know, when I when we talk about you, uh, I'm sorry, I just have to get this out about you. I gotta get it out because I don't know when I'm gonna be able to do your show again. I want and I don't get a chance to talk to you often. I want you to repeat. Say it again. You want to do my show every week. We don't need these other communities. <laughs> well, anyway, uh, no, we, you know, I, I, you have no clue how much, I don't think you have a clue how much people talk about you. And because you're so like easy, you're easy with your work. I see why the big boys like for you to come and do their show. You're the, you're the man who you tell them one time what you want, just once. DJ, could DJ Oscar, Oscar, can you play uh, Beyonce's Love on Top? Soon as you hear me say the words, and it's on top. Mm-hmm. And it's time to come. And I say, it's on top. Boom. There it is. And it's like a lot of DJs get, oh, wait a minute. What'd you say? Uh, put the top on the bottle. Of this? No. <laughs> no. So anyway, yeah, so that's that. Yeah. I, I appreciate you. So what would, what would you tell your younger self? What would you tell yourself? Let's say not 54 years. What would you tell yourself 50 years ago? 50 years ago? (laughs) 
I probably would tell myself to to move back to California mm -hmm. because that's where everything was then. But by me right. moving to the East Coast, I think I I didn't know anything about agents. I didn't know right. anything about managers. I didn't know about or how to go. I didn't know any of that stuff. So mm -hmm. I had to create lanes for myself back then because I didn't know, but I didn't have any friends in the business. All my friends were high school people that went on to college and lived their lives. And, you know, so nobody had any advice for me. I didn't have a mentor. I didn't have, there was nobody for me to hang out with. So if I knew what I know now, I would probably navigate a little differently. But then again, if I did that, maybe I wouldn't have all of the background that I have now. So absolutely 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 so tell us something just about yourself that people will be surprised to know about you um i sing i'm a i was a singer first mm. and since i've been doing the play the one woman play the return of jackie mom's Mabley, i'm having a chance to uh, expose that singing voice because i do eight nine different iconic women I do impressions of all of them and I have to have a different voice for each singer. You know, I dress up like them and people are fascinated with, uh, uh, with, uh, with me changing the clothes like I do on stage and more so than ever, they go, and you can sing. Wow. Oh my God, you can sing. You should have been a singer. I'm like, no, I shouldn't have because when I was a young girl coming up in this business, the, the singers that I knew, we're so absolutely darling, gorgeous, and just oh, just just full of right. movies. I mean, come on, Don Ross, uh, uh, shoot, Gladys Knight. Those were people that, although they were much older than me, well, not much older, but they were. They, were <laughs> <laughs> they those those women could sing. You know, Rita Franklin, all that crew. Right. So I said, no, it's a, there are a lot of singers out here, but there are no impressionists, none. Mm -hmm. not a one so I said, i'd have a better shot you talking about these beautiful women i saw a video collage of you recently and you was one of the gorgeous you're still gorgeous let's 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 leave it <laughs> let's put it on the table you're still gorgeous <laughs> but you're talking about the, the the people back in the day the diana rosses and all of that you was just as gorgeous as they are you are just as gorgeous as they are Inside oh, thank you. And out. Inside thank you. and out. You know, I was don't make me take my hair out, man. You're gonna make me try. To... <laughs> I'm you like, wait, hold down. up. Let me, let me do this. You take your hair down. We together. We together. Oh, and, 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 and DJ Oxygen. Um, yes, ma'am. Another thing that people have no clue about. I went. Okay, I went to Spelman College, right? Mm -hmm. And while I was there, I met the president of the Supremes fan club. Okay. And Donna Ross was about to leave the Supremes. And she, I used to sing down at Spelman. You know, we go into our little uh, rooms, you know, the little room where you have the musician, musical instruments and card playing. I forgot what you call them. And I would sing with one of my Spelmanites. Mm -hmm. And this president of the Supremes uh, fan club, she said, you know what, Sylvia? You'd be the perfect replacement for, for Dinah Ross. Wow. You'd be perfect. And she said, I'm real good for I'm going to make that happen. And so 
I guess about two weeks later, she calls me and she says, you know, I almost had you in there, but you're too young. Oh, you're wow. Just too young. Yeah, I was like 19 <laughs> and they were in their upper 20s, if I have to say so. But yeah, I was they 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 thought I was just everything. Wow. They did, but they said she's just everything. too young. You are everything. Thank you. So, I know you just did uh, Sherry's show. What do you? What else do you have coming up? Uh, I'm waiting on the. I'm waiting on on my uh, the uh, director and the uh, the writer of the Return of Jackie Momsen Mabley. He's securing a spot at the Kennedy Center, hopefully oh. around Mother's Day, okay. uh, so birthday. that you know. People can come and see it. I was like, oh, I haven't, I've never performed at the Kennedy Center. I've been in every theater in this town except for the Kennedy Center. So this that, that'll be new for me. If you come to the Kennedy Center, I'm going to be there uh, front row to see you. You'll lab. probably be busy. Somebody, Dave Chappelle will probably come looking for you. Saying, I know you want to go see Sylvia, but you gonna have to work. You, I got to bring you in on my show. DJ I hate when they do that. They do that sometimes. They say, you know, I, I got plans and I get a phone call. What, what, what you doing uh, two weeks? Well, I got to be here. No, you don't. No, you don't. We're, we're <laughs> What's the phone number? We're calling. You ain't going. So, but oh, I, I do. I, I definitely want to catch you on stage doing that. And. You know, guys, I want to thank Sylvia Traymore Morrison, my other mother, for being on the Comedy Lounge today. Hold on, I'm supposed to do this, Mama Sylvia. I'm supposed to cut my cigar. <laughs> just look at it. That's just straight up Hollywood. Straight Hollywood. Look at that. That's that's what I'm supposed to do. All uh -huh. right, but I want to thank my listeners. I want to thank Brownstone Media Group. I want to thank the production team. Um, I want to thank uh, Invictus 2 Cigar Lounge, my brother Clint in the building, making sure we have cameras and audio. I want to just want to thank everyone. This is such a blessing to have you on, Mama Sylvia. We thank had you. such a good time, and we would yes. definitely, definitely do it again. So to my viewers, thanks for hanging out with us, or well, with me, DJ Oxygen, on the Comedy Lounge. I'll catch you next time. Peace. Thank you.